This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and uh, good afternoon to everybody. Wonderful to be in your company again here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon following Pesach. Yes, I'm sure you all had a great Pesach. I hope you did wherever you were in the world and whatever you did for Pesach. I'm sure it was great. I hope it was great and I hope that we've all got our, out of our own personal Egypt, um, out of our own bondages and difficulties and issues that we have been confronting, that we have now overcome and hopefully we can move into a brand new era, a time of uh, growth, of spiritual growth, of mental growth, of uh, growth in every sense of the word and particularly in Jewish growth. Um, and to start off today just to Give you a little bit of a uh, wonderful piece of information. Um, you know, as history kind of fades into oblivion, we probably and possibly tend to forget a lot of things that uh, we should rem- we should remember. We hardly have uh, difficulty. I guess most of us have no difficulty in remembering what happened yesterday, but we probably don't remember what happened many many years ago on this day. So today is the 26th day of Nisan. If we go back in the annals of history, I wonder if anybody knows the significance of this powerful day, the 26th of Nisan. Um, Well, I'll put you out of your misery and I'll tell you that, in fact, today is the yard site of Joshua, the famous Joshua, Joshua, who uh, led the Jewish people into Israel after assuming leadership um, upon the um, uh, demise, the death of the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu of Moses, um, Joshua Yeshua lived from 1355 to 1245 before the Common Era. So that's a good three and a half thousand years ago. Um, and he passed away on this day, on the 26th of Nisan, in that year, 1245, before the Common Era. He was 110 years old, and it was the 28th year of his leadership. And he was buried in his own estate in a place called, in a place called Timnat Serach in Har Ephraim, in Mount Ephraim in Israel. Um, yes, today, the day of the passing of Yeshua. It is interesting to note that there is another significant date that comes up in uh, two days' time, so corresponding to Friday, Friday will be the day on which 28 years before um, the walls of Jericho, of Jericho collapsed. So in the year 1273 before the Common Era, the walls of Jericho, of Jericho collapsed. So it was on the seventh day of the encirclement of Jericho, um, which um, happened, as we well know, when the Jewish people came to um, uh, Israel. Um, they crossed over just above the Dead Sea, um, and there was the town called Jericho, Jericho. It's accompanied there by the Holy Ark. They circled the city seven times. They did the Hakafas around the city. After blowing the shofar, the walls crashed and sank, and the city was open and unprotected. And it was then easily conquered, becoming the first fortified Canaanite city to fall to the children of Israel in their conquest of the Promised Land. And, of course, this going back to 1273 before the Common Era, and it coincides with this coming Friday. So two fascinating dates to do with Joshua, Yeshua, 
And um, I think that I've told you here before, but just a reminder of the fact that probably and possibly the oldest prayer in our prayer book is uh, possibly the prayer called Aleinu, Aleinu L'Shabeach L'Adon Akol, which we obviously and famously say at the end of each one of our davenings, a very, very powerful and important prayer, Aleinu L'Shabeach L'Adon Akol. It's for us to give praise to Adon Akol, to the Master of All. We say this prayer, which we and we attribute the authorship of this prayer, the composition of this prayer, actually to to Joshua, to Yeshua, leading the Jewish people around the city of Jericho at that time of Jericho, and the fact that the miracles happened, the Jewish people, some were obviously marveling at the tremendous power that God had given them. Take a look at how powerful we are. Look at this. With our trumpets, our shofarot in our hands, with our ability and our stamping of our feet um, in walking around the city, look what we did. We brought about the destruction of the walls of Yericho and the conquest of the walls of Yericho. And he had to remind them, Aleinu l'shabeach l'adonakol. Let us remember to give praise to Adonakol, to the master of all. He is the one who actually performed all these wonders and miracles. It is him who brought about this great and incredible triumph. And let's not lose uh, the focus of who actually is responsible for us having Israel, for us being in Israel, for us um, having the um, uh, the promised land and reaching that promised land and uh, being able to live there and dwell there and so on. And I guess it's something that we continually need to remind ourselves of on a regular basis, that it's Adon Hakol, it is the master of all, who um, saw to it that we should bring about that conquest in the very first place. So just a little bit of a um, different kind of an introduction today, I guess, to very, very important um, um, times that we need to remember. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't think back to the fact that um, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising took place in 1943, attributed to be around this time as well. And in fact, it was decided by the Israeli government um, some years, many years ago, to make this um, tomorrow, actually, the uh, 27th of Nissan, to make it the day on which um, the commemoration of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising um, uh, took place, to make that a day of remembrance, um, otherwise known as Yom HaShoah. There are many who, um, including the Chief Rabbinate of Israel um, over many years, who uh, realized that there are certain issues with uh, saying Haskarot, with having memorial prayers and so on um, during this period of time, and they felt that it was possibly and probably a better idea to couple it with a, another date, that one date of which we are already mourning. Uh, some attributed it, and there are certain prayers that are said on Tisha B'Av in uh, commemoration of the Shoah of the um, of the Holocaust, and there are some who commemorate it and celebrate it, or think about it rather, hardly celebrated but thought about on um, the uh, day of uh, Asarab Tevis, of the 10th of Tevet, and so on. But uh, be that as it may, this is a date that uh, we cannot let go by without remembering that uh, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising happened. It was the summer of 1942 that uh, 300,000 Jews were deported from Warsaw to Treblinka. And when reports of the mass murder in the killing center leaked back to the ghetto, an ex- a resistance began forming, which managed to smuggle 
a modest cache of arms um, into the ghetto, and it was on the 14th of Nissan in 1943. The remaining 35,000 Jews were left in the Warsaw Ghetto from remarkably a number, staggering number, 450,000. There were 35,000 who were left. They staged an organized uprising and drove back the Nazis with a rain of bullets when they uh, came to begin the final removal of all the Jews, and the resistance lasted for 27 days. A heroic stand was made in an underground bunker under 18 Miller Street, where hundreds of fighters, including the 24-year-old leader of the uprising, whose name was Mordechai Nilevich, um, met their death. Um, sadly, and although the ghetto was burned to the ground by the third of ER in just a few days' time, a few stray survivors hid in the rubble and they fired at the Nazis for another two months. Now, in tribute to this uprising, the 27th of Nissan was proclaimed by the Israeli government as the official Holocaust and Bravery Day, and it is observed as an annual Holocaust Memorial Day around the world. So, some interesting facts about the days that were in the history um, that uh, needs to be remembered and never forgotten. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Hi, and welcome back. Um, yes, we've been talking about the uh, events that happened this week over the thousands of years ago, passing of Joshua, walls of Jericho, Warsaw Ghetto uprising, all of that sort of stuff. But let's get back to um, Judaism 101.9 and stuff that um, we can actually do something about and with, and uh, particularly to focus on the period of time that we are in at the moment. This period of time that we're in at the moment, um, following Pesach and leading up, of course, to Shavuot, is also known as the Sfira period. Sfira period, because it is during this time that we count Sfirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer. The Omer is counted from the second night of Pesach until the night before Shavuot. It is exactly seven weeks, and it is on the 50th day after those seven weeks, those 49 days, that we actually celebrate Shavuot. Now, if we go back in history, this mirrored our time um, from the moment that we left Egypt right up until we stood at the foot of Mount Sinai in order to receive the Torah. It was exactly that same seven-week period. Remember, we did mention last week that um, we left um, Egypt and one week later we were um, at the banks of the uh, Red Sea, which miraculously split, and that we celebrated, commemorated on the last days of Pesach, and now we are in the period of time from then right up until the receiving of the Torah. It was a period that the Torah itself commanded us to count, to count these days, usfartem um, lachem, there's the word, sfira, you should count those days, the sfirat omer, the counting of the days from the omer offering, which was brought on the first day of Pesach, when you see that offering, now remember that from tonight, you need to start counting, and 49 days later, you complete your count, and then celebrate Shavuot, the time of Matan Torah, the giving of our Torah. Now, um, there is a very, very fascinating and excellent book, Spiritual Guide to the Counting of the Omer by Rabbi Simon Jacobson, which uh, gives us 49 steps to personal refinement according to Jewish tradition. It is something that um, personally I have a, uh, a great 
um, affection for in a way because, um, in fact, my time on Chai FM uh, began some years ago with a daily thought on the Esfirata Omer. It was during the Omer period that uh, on the morning show we used to have a call-in um, in order to be able to um, share a thought about today's Sphira, what the Sphira was all about today. And of course, this book was around in those days, and it is still today, and it's an excellent guide for um, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be thinking during this period of time, during the Sphira period. Because um, the Sphira period probably gets a bit of a bad rap from uh, people, being that Sphira and Sphira period is often coupled with and often thought about as being a period of mourning. Well, it only became a period of mourning much later, um, later on in Jewish history when the students of Rabbi Akiva died, unfortunately, uh, during this period of time, it therefore became a period of mourning. But that was then um, after the destruction of the of the Batei Migdash, after the destruction of the temples. It was m- a lot, lot later, but this period was a time of counting um, way before that. And the idea of counting and the idea of um, working each day to perfect something and to work on ourselves in order to be ready for Matan for the receiving of the Torah, for the getting of the Torah once again in a spiritual sense, um, was uh, something that dated back to um, Sinai, to Mount Sinai. It is something that we need to do on a regular basis. I'd like to share with you some of the thoughts from the introduction to this book, and then, of course, to share with you some thoughts about the Sphira and the actual um, let's call it the actual um, spiritual um, um, circumstance of today, as well as the circumstance of this week that we are in in the Sphira period. So let's take a look at what Rabbi Jacobson says in his introduction. He says, now more than ever, people from all walks of life are searching for meaning and purpose. Some look for answers in meditation, some in self-help books, therapy, religion, yoga, 12-step programs, and New Age philosophies. Many people, however, are unaware that the oldest and most time-tested answer was given to us over 3,300 years ago at Mount Sinai. It is called the Torah. The Torah. Torah means instruction. The Torah and its stories are, in essence, the story of our lives, a spiritual blueprint that illuminates the intricate layers and dimensions of our psyches, of our psyches and souls. Every event in Torah reflects another aspect of our inner personality. Through its mitzvahs or commandments, the, the Torah teaches us how to actualize ourselves according to God's intentions in creating us. By deciphering the Torah code, we disclose its personal message for us. The Torah's every word there is deep, personal, and spiritual meaning. The process of receiving the Torah at Sinai actually began 49 days prior to it being given with the Exodus from Egypt. These 49 days are called Svirata Omer, which means the counting of the Omer. In Leviticus, which is the third book of the Torah, in 23.15, the verse states, You shall count from the day that you brought the Omer as a wave offering. The Omer was a measure of barley, approximately two quarts. 
and that's Q-U-A-R-T-S, that the Jews brought as, as the mincha or afternoon offering on the second day of Pesach. This was followed by the counting of the Omer, where the Jews counted every day for seven weeks, 49 days in total, leading up to the festival of Shavuot, Shavuot, on the 50th day, which also celebrates the receiving of the Torah at Sinai. Even after the destructions of the first and second temples, where the Omer offering was brought, the tradition of counting the Omer continued. Beginning with the second night of Pesach, every one of these 49 days binds Pesach to Shavuot to Shavuot um, and is counted in orderly progression. At the end of the evening prayer of each of the 49 nights, each Jew should recite a blessing and then verbalize the number of that day. In addition to commemorating the counting of the Omer, the 49 days of Sphira also expressed the Jews' eager anticipation to receive the Torah on Shavuot, on Shavuot, 50 days after experiencing the liberation of Pesach. What is the significance of counting for 49 days, and how does it relate to the anticipation of and preparation for receiving the Torah? What relevance does this counting have for us today, and how does this apply to the exploration of the inner dimensions of our soul? The answer to these questions lies in a deeper understanding of the exodus of the Jewish nation from Egypt. The word Mitzrayim, Egypt in Hebrew, means limitation and boundaries and represents all forms of conformity and definition that restrain, restrain rather, inhibit or hamper our free movement and expression. So leaving Egypt means freedom from constraints. After leaving Egypt, the Jews spent the next 49 days in the desert, preparing themselves spiritually for the most monumental experience of all time. And the very reason why they got out of Egypt in the first place, which was the giving of the Torah to Moses and the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. The 49-day period was one of intense character refinement. For 49 days, the Jews climbed one step at a time up the emotional ladder towards a higher purity. This period of character refinement has just as much significance, relevance to our lives today as it did over 3,000 years ago. Just as we were slaves in Egypt, we can also be slaves to our personalities, driven by forces over which we often seem to have no control. The 49 days of Sphira teach us how to regain control over our emotions, showing us how to refine our characters step by step in a way that is based on the eternal truths of Torah. After the 49-day period, we arrive at the 50th day, which is Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, having fully achieved inner renewal by merit of having assessed and developed each of our 49 attributes. So what is the significance of the 50th day of Matan Torah? On this day, we, we celebrate the festival of Shavuot, of Shavuot. After we've accomplished all we can through our own initiative, then we are worthy to receive a gift, a matan from above, which we could not have achieved with our own limited faculties. We receive the ability to reach and touch the divine, not only to be cultivated human beings who have refined all our personal characteristics, but divine human beings who are capable of expressing ourselves above and beyond the definitions and limitations of our beings. The counting of Sphira that followed the exodus from Egypt is a process that we must continually recreate in our lives in order to achieve personal freedom. Now, the Hebrew word Sphira has several meanings. The famous Kabbalist, the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, who uh, passed away in uh, 1570, in his monumental work, which is known as Pardes, writes that Sphira means both Mispar, meaning a number, and Sipur, telling a story. 
And a third root of sphira is sapir, a sapphire stone, which is a translucent crystal that shines brightly. So counting sphira illuminates the different aspects of our emotional lives. The days of sphira tell us a story, the story of our souls. The spectrum of human experiences divides into seven emotions and qualities known in plural as sphirot. Each of these seven qualities, in turn, subdivides into seven, making a total of 49. So each day in time has a life of its own. A day is a unique energy flow waiting to be to be tapped and channeled into the fiber of man's being. Each of the 49 days of Sphira illuminates one of the 49 emotions, each day's energy consisting of examining and refining its corresponding emotion. After perfecting and purifying all 49 dimensions, we're fully prepared for Matan Torah, for the receiving, the giving of the Torah. For now, we're in sync with the 49 divine attributes from which the human attributes actually evolve. So we have something within our souls that absolutely con- corresponds to a, to the dimensions of God, of godliness. God takes the essence of himself and gave it to man in our souls, and each soul is a is comprised, made up of the same, call it DNA, as um, God himself, and divided according to uh, mysticism, according to Jewish teaching. It is um, uh, divided into these various different parts, these various different aspects, each one of them um, ha- having an imprint of the other um, upon itself, and so the seven times seven, making the 49. These seven emotional attributes that we explore during this period of time are known as chesed, which is loosely translated as loving kindness or benevolence, gvura, which is justice, discipline, restraint and awe, tiferet, which could be beauty or harmony and otherwise known as compassion, netzach, endurance, fortitude, ambition, hod, humility, splendor, yesod, which is bonding, foundation, and malchus, which is nobility, sovereignty, and leadership. And each day we explore a different dimension of each one of these attributes. So we count the days and the weeks. The seven days of each of the seven weeks constitutes the 49 days. Each week is represented by a specific attribute. And each day within that week is represented by an aspect of that attribute. Since a fully functional emotion is multidimensional, it includes within itself a blend of all seven attributes. So as we go day by day, we give, we take a look at, um, at our subjective emotions, seeing their strong and weak points gives us a, a, an ability to apply ourselves to the development and perfection of those feelings as we grow towards emotional and spiritual maturity. We'll be back with you, back with you, um, right after this for a little bit more on what the attribute that we are exploring today actually is and what it means for us. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and welcome back. Yes, so we've been talking about the different sfirot. What are we talking about when we talk about the sfirot? Is the different attributes, the different parts of our soul in our spiritual DNA that make up our emotions or our interaction really with the world. Now, if we think about chesed, chesed is um, otherwise known as kindness, 
or loving kindness is the bedrock of human expression. And then discipline is needed. Discipline, being gvura, is the channel through which we actually express that love. Gives our life and our love direction and focus, much like a laser beam. Its potency lies in the focus and concentration of light in one direction, rather than the fragmented light that it could be dispersed in all sorts of different directions. Gvura, which is discipline and measure, concentrates and directs our efforts, our love, in the proper directions. Another aspect of Gvura is respect and awe. Healthy love requires respect for the one you love. Now, the dominant feature of this week is Gvura. It is that idea of, as we said, discipline or really direction, concentration, um, making the love that we have be a lot more focused. Um, that's really the dominant feature at this time. But um, today we have reached um, the day of Netzach Shebegvura. Now, what is Netzach? Netzach is otherwise translated as endurance, fortitude, or ambition. Endurance and ambition is a combination of determination and tenacity. It's a balance of patience, persistence, and guts. Endurance is also being reliable and accountable, which establishes security and commitment. Without endurance, any good endeavor or intention has no chance of success. Endurance means to be alive, to be driven by healthy and productive goals. It is the readiness to fight for what you believe and to go all the way. Without such commitment, any undertaking remains flat and empty. It's an energy that comes from within, stops at nothing to achieve its goals. This, of course, requires that endurance be closely examined to ensure that it is used in a healthy and productive manner. So when we come to the day of um, uh, of Netzach Shebikvura, where we're talking about Netzach, this idea of endurance in discipline, which is day number 11 of the Omer, which we're on today, endurance in discipline. So we we know that, um, and as Rabbi Jacobson tells us, effective discipline must be enduring and tenacious. So perhaps some questions that we should ask ourselves is is my discipline consistent or only when forced do i follow through with discipline and am i perceived as a weak disciplinarian and he nicely gives us an exercise for the day perhaps each and every one of us could follow or think about he says extend the plan you made on day two for a longer period of time listing short-term and long-term goals review and update it each day and see how consistent you are and if you follow through we none of us like or appreciate when there is a lack of consistency it's not something that serves us well it's not something that communities or that relationships can actually uh, thrive upon where things where there's not that consistent love or there's not that consistent focus and a consistent um that is applied to that love um things really do fall apart we'll be back to sum up right after this this is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elohim. So if we really think about it and we focus our attention on it, we know that the period of time that we're in at the moment is one of personal growth. We cannot be tomorrow what we have not been today. We need to continually grow. We need to continually keep on learning, focusing, making sure that we're working on every dimension of ourselves. It is um, perhaps the greatest human failing that um, we find it a lot easier to work on others than we do on ourselves. 
we um, look at other people and we can immediately see their faults. We can sometimes identify their strong points. But it's a lot more difficult, a lot more um, intricate and a lot deeper to uh, introspect, to take a careful, hard and long look at yourself and what you, and of course I need to do it for me, each and every one of us needs to look at ourselves and find the ways that we can explore each dimension of our souls and not in a in an admonishing way and not in a uh, demeaning way to ourselves in any way, but to look at our strong points, to look at our weak points and to keep that growth, that process of growth was something that was essential. You know, when we were in Egypt, we were denied the possibility of spiritual growth. We were denied the ability to learn, to study, to grow. And as we came out of Egypt, surely that was the one element of our uh, very beings that um, Moses and the elders and the whole Jewish people had to spend their time focusing on. How am I going to be ready for Mount Sinai? How am I going to prepare for it? It is easy, actually, to just walk out of Egypt, cross the border, and, hey, presto, I'm out of there. But what about my ability to receive, my ability to accept, my ability to function in a relationship now with God, with the Jewish people, with each other, um, to get that um, servile and that um, mentality of um, slavery out of my head to not be pulled in all the directions that the world wants to take me, but to be completely and absolutely focused in the correct and the right direction of receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. And this was this 49-step program, this program of these seven weeks that we're in at the moment to grow, to develop, to see to each and every dimension of our beings down to the very, very last little detail not leaving any stone unturned in our um, growth and in our program to be as spiritually receptive as we could possibly be to the Torah when it was actually given to us at Mount Sinai. And this involves not only this careful introspection, but it involves commitment to some of to some of and to many of our mitzvot that we need to do on a regular basis to perfect our prayers, our interaction with God, with the Almighty, to work on our personal relationships um, on a, a physical as well as on a spiritual interactive kind of a level and to see to it that we um, lift our game, that we are seven weeks later, not the riffraff um, that uh, we could have been leaving Egypt, but that we had refined ourselves to become the kind of people who were ready to receive the Torah and that God was ready to give it to us. So it is something that we always need to do. We've had the detox um, over Pesach. We have come through that, um, hopefully unscathed. We've had the opportunity to um, celebrate, to uh, think about the exodus from Egypt. And now it's time for us to really put our heads down to how am I going to make myself the kind of person who's ready to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai. And it's a daily program, a program of counting, a program of polishing the uh, jewels of our souls that we do have in order to make sure that the Sfirat Omer period is not something that just passes us by, we just uh, tick off the boxes and make sure that it is another day down 
um, that certainly is not a Jewish attitude. It's about how to make each day meaningful, how to grow each day, how to make it more special, and how to make sure that um, at the end of it all, when I do stand prepared um, on the last day at Mount Sinai, I am there, I am ready, and um, I really know what it means to receive the Torah once again. I look forward to being back with you again next week, same time, same place, on Judaism 101.9. Hope you have a great rest of the week, a great, wonderful Shabbat up ahead, and uh, see you again soon.